So how do you prepare for the world that's coming? Well, first of all, you created, ladies and gentlemen, you created the world that's coming. This is your creation. You created this to learn the lessons that you need to learn to become the person that you're going to become. And then once you've become that person, there are going to be more lessons that you need to learn to become the person you're going to become from there. There is no stopping. There is no grand success and failure is merely a pit stop on the way to success. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? Today's guest is a force of nature. His commitment to growth and expansion are palpable in his words and his magnanimous energy. As the founder and executive coach at the mentalmasteryalliance.com and host of the podcast of the same name, he leads a network of mindset change makers seeking to empower clients to be their best self in all aspects of life. His depth of knowledge, experience, and his sense of humor all shine through in this episode. So, without further ado, please welcome Adam R. Walton. Oh, man. Uh, quite an honor to be here. Uh, that was one heck of an intro. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> My pleasure. You're the bomb, dude. So, Adam and I met through a mutual friend named Don Bates, who you should totally check out. Amazing woman, an author, doing incredible things in the world. And Adam actually invited me onto his podcast, which you should totally check out as well, the Mental Mastery Alliance. I'll put all that info in the show notes. But this guy is just a powerhouse. It was a pleasure to drop in with him on his podcast, and it is an even bigger pleasure to have him on my podcast today. I don't know how you're uh, how you're doing it. Thank you, by the way, again for that. Yeah, it, uh, I, I'm really quite content with sort of where we are in the world, where we all are, and that you know that that's that's a, an interesting point to say because you can look around and you can see you know all sorts of chaos and, and all sorts of everything um, and, and have a hard time saying you know like look at the positive or or that cliche you know look at the positive and that sort of thing but there is positive there's positive in absolutely everything so it, we're in a, we're in a time right now where it's transitional where everything is just not what we wanted which is where we personally get offended or or hurt or whatever it is by this thing going against what we want. Um, but it's not necessarily what the collective out there wants. So as I say, we're in a really, really interesting time and I'm so blessed to have been able to, to see it the way I do, um, to, to have found the clarity. And the reason you and I spoke the first time was of course on the sobriety thing. Mm. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's such a topic and it's such a realization. It's such a, an actualization to, to no longer be a prisoner, not so much of the bottle or of your habits, but of the way you used to think. Yes. And when you, that's, that's why like, it, it is fun. It's fun for me to be here. It's fun that you have a show now. It's fun that every sort of everything out there has conspired to make everybody start talking. You know, mm. we, we live at a time now where, you know, maybe, maybe you coming on the show is like, you know what, I should do more of those or I should, I should do my own, you know? So maybe, maybe I had a hand in the, in, in the beginning of being, maybe, maybe I can toot my own horn on that and say, you know what, I had something to do with that and then be really proud about that. I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because you're bang on. You were super inspiring amongst many other people. Like this is the time more than ever we need to 
speak our truth, use our voices. And podcasting just seems to be the right medium for me. You know, it's free of censorship so far. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, just we need to be having honest conversations with each other, you know, communication, uh, intimacy, like truth, because we, we live for me in a fundamentally broken information ecology. Like this is a cultural narrative warfare we're in the middle of, right? And so, you know, being a beacon of truth, um, you know, transmitting truth or, or a truthful signal at least um, is so important. So yes, that's why I've started this. I want to have honest conversations with guys like you so we can share the infinite wisdom that you have in a synergistic way between us that hopefully brings value to other people. So that's really what my intention is here. An interesting note on that too. I've, uh, I had a conversation um, with an individual not too long ago and he was talking about mysticism and he was talking about being a mystic. So on my show, I said, you know, we're going to have a mystic on the show and blah, blah, blah. And I never put any thought into it. I never really thought, you know, what's a mystic? What's this? You know, when you say mystic, you think like fog rolling in and like maybe a gypsy or something like that, but maybe that's racist. And maybe in 2020, we can't say gypsy or fortune teller. I don't know. You know, and that that's, what's funny about this, this world. So I've got this guy on uh, and we're talking about this, that, and the other thing. And I'm explaining to him sort of my views on, on what I see and, and what I keep hunting and what I keep searching. Uh, and he tells me flat out, he goes, you're probably one of the most powerful mystics I've ever spoken to. And I'm like, you're calling me a mystic. And he's like, yes. I'm like, I'm not a mystic. Like what the hell's a mystic? He goes, do you not know the definition of mystic? And I said, I said, I don't know. Isn't a Van Morrison song into the mystic? Isn't that a thing? <laughs> and, and no, he goes, look it up. So I did actually, I just pulled it up now as I was chatting with you. I said, uh, a mystic is a person who seeks by contemplation and self-surrender to obtain unity with or absorption into the deity or the absolute, or who believes in the spiritual apprehension of truths that are beyond the intellect. Wow. And then I look at that and I'm like, mother of F and Pearl, I am a mystic. Because Yes, man. And it's so many of us are, and it's a, it's an yeah. interesting term. We don't label ourselves. We don't put this stuff on there, but like mystic again comes with that jujuy term. Um, but it, it's a funny thing to be like, holy, you know, there's so many people out there doing exactly what you're doing, that there is a definition in the dictionary of who you are. Wow. Uh, and that, that is a phenomenal thing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this show, which you are, because you just heard me ask or state that you were, um, <laughs> and those that aren't listening to the show, what are you doing? Come on, get over here. Um, Look up the definition of mystic and and see for yourself and see that, you know, the awakening is coming and it's coming in such a, such a, a quick thing. And it's not an awakening to all the conspiracies. It's not an awakening to all the, you know, noting that the news is fake or fake this or orange man bad or anything that you're seeing, anything that you're seeing at all on the mainstream media is even if it looks good, it's still a deception because the real answers are actually inside you and mm. your own personal awareness and the awareness you were born with and the awareness that you need to uncover to get you to where you need to be. And that awareness comes from simple things like Patrick, you preach all the time and, and you're, you're, you're synonymous and famous for on your, uh, you know, your online profile for sobriety and for what it means and for mm. how to do it. And you play a little guitar. I like that too. So the, uh, the, this to me is, uh, it, it's, it's a phenomenal time for us to be alive and for us to be able to look inside ourselves and for us to really tap into what it is that makes us tick and the information that we were naturally born with. Remember when we were mm. kids, you're like, you're born with all the answers, right? Uh, so mysticism is self-growth. 
you know, and, and there's a lot of mystics out there and you're probably a mystic. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a mystic and you didn't know it. Mm. And that's, what's cool about that is you can connect with other people who label themselves as mystics and have phenomenal conversations, even if you don't want to put that label on yourself. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I would consider myself a mystic with that definition, like seeking higher truth beyond the intellect, seeking to synergize, uh, you know, humanity into a, a sort of oneness. And so I want to come back to what you said about awakening. Like what, what does awakening mean to you? Because this is a term that's thrown around like, you know, hashtag woke and all this shit. What, what does awakening really mean? Uh, that's a good topic. That's a great topic. Actually, my, my favorite definition of awakening is, is aware. Now there's, there's a, an author that I absolutely adore and that's Jed McKenna. And he has a way of, of talking about waking up, um, in a comical sense, like a story. He's like, it's like, he's telling you a story. It's like, if you're listening, if when you're reading his books, it's like, you're sitting around a fire listening to this guy tell stories. Uh, and one of the stories he was talking about is Alice in Wonderland meets Morpheus from the matrix. And Morpheus offers Alice the red pill or the blue pill, right? And in the Matrix, they go up one level and they, you know, they go from the, the Matrix world to the quote unquote real world. And Alice sits there and listens, listens to his spiel and then says, you've only gone up one level. You've only, you've only awoken to one level. She says, I've gone through tens of thousands of levels. I've gone to different worlds. I've gone to different galaxies. The idea that you can wake up to one level, and this is where awakening becomes, like I said, anything you see in the mainstream is pretty much bullshit. Even when they talk about awakening, like people think that you go from asleep to awake and they don't quite fully grasp, you know, what it is that an awakening is. An awakening is becoming aware. And once you, once you start becoming aware to me, it's like you can wake up to your own bullshit 10 years after you've woken up to your own bullshit. Because any sort of story that you tell yourself and, and anything that you get yourself locked into, like... Uh, prime example, sobriety. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not over here saying I'm uh, sobriety. I'm, I'm a sober champion because I'm not. I, I don't drink uh, and I don't actively promote sobriety, although I live that life. It just is one of those things. Um, I love it. I love talking about it. I love talking about the benefits of it. But, you know, there are people that are like, I'm in the, I'm in the 12 step program. You know, I'm constantly at the meetings. I'm doing this. Like, I, they go to the meetings. Like, I'm 10 years sober. I'm not 10 years sober. I'm, I'm not any of these things. I am living my life. <laughs> I did drink. Now I don't drink. Right. And there's no, there's no connection to it. And there's a lot of people that have, you know, that can take issue with that. And that can take issue with, well, this is what works for you. This is what works for me. And this comes back to awakening because you can, you could, two people can argue an amazing point. Like you and I, you could be an active, I don't know. Are you a 12 stepper? Are you an active? Like I am, do you go to the meetings? Are you, do you tell the people that you're, you know, eight years sober and this, that, and the other thing? I've never been to an AA meeting. Okay. In fact, in fact, that's, that's a lot of what I talk about is because when I was in the depths of my alcohol dependency, AA seemed like the only option and it wasn't an option for me because no. of the stigma, because of it, it was akin to admitting failure basically, mm -hmm. you know, and that wasn't in my DNA. That wasn't in my character. So, and so, but, and so I didn't see any other options though. So I was like, you know, and it's, it's so pervasive in our culture. I was like, I was, I felt stuck for years and years and years. So you just talked about four stories right there. And and two of them are, you know, you didn't see any other option other than the AA. Yeah. But the reality is the option was just don't fucking drink. Don't pick the bottle up, right? There's your option. Don't pick it up. But you told yourself a story that AA was the only option. And we all tell ourselves that story. We all tell ourselves every story. In every aspect of everything, we tell ourselves a story. Mm -hmm. Do you want to quit smoking? 
just quit smoking. I can't quit smoking. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Story. Now, not only do you tell yourself a story when it comes to awakening, when it comes to living your life, because I mean, what, what's awakening? Awakening is just another perspective, right? Mm. When it, when it comes to awakening, when it comes to quitting smoking, when it comes to quitting drinking, whatever it is, when it comes to making any change in your life, you'll tell yourself a story and you'll back that story up with other bullshit mm -hmm. that you firmly believe to be true because you heard it somewhere. So now to putting that into perspective, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a smoker, quitting smoking seems hard because there's a lot of money in the smoking industry and the smoking game. And people are like, well, they don't run ads for smoking anymore. They don't do this. They don't do that. But the smoking they've run, it's so cerebral in so many people. Granted, there are less smokers now, but the smokers that they do have their hands on are still seeing people smoke in movies. They're still seeing gratification cigarettes. And the, the addiction, quote unquote, the addiction seems so real, but it's inside your head. So it's hard to, it's hard to break from that. Now, smoking is a lucrative business. Secondarily to smoking, the one right after that, the most lucrative business after smoking financially is the quitting smoking business. <laughs> so they want you to try to quit smoking because they want you to buy the gum. They want you to buy the patch. They want you to buy the, I don't know, Xanax, Xantax, whatever the fuck it is. They want you to buy this stuff and they want you to be hooked on this stuff and they want you to fail and they want you to go back to cigarettes and they want you to believe in yourself and they want you to do this vicious circle, right? Mm. And that's because you inside your head now tell yourself a story about smoking is hard. Quitting smoking is hard. And then I tried the this. I tried the that. I tried the patch. I tried the laser. I tried the na 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 Right? Did you try not smoking? Mm. <laughs> I totally agree with you. And it's a, what, what the issue is, though, and specifically from my work with my clients, is that even if you have uh, a conscious cognitive awareness that you want to quit smoking, for me, drinking, I knew you know, intellectually that it was harming me. I knew it was harming my body, my relationships, my finances, everything. But I, you know, it was so ingrained in my identity, in my culture, in my social network. And most of the motivations were unconscious, right? And so even if I had the conscious awareness that, okay, this is, you know, not helping me, I still have some unconscious desire to pick up the bottle. So unless we do the deeper work, it's more than just a decision. It's the decision, yes, but that's the entry point for me. It's okay, make the decision, say, okay, and this is what I do with my clients. Let's commit to 90 days of abstinence. And in that 90 days, let's do the work. And for me, the work is let's uncover the unconscious. What are the patterns? What are the stories? What, is, what are the programs that are running in the background that are influencing your behavior without your knowledge, right? Exactly. And this is what this is what awakening is. This is what becoming aware is. It's like you become aware of your own shit, you know? Yep. And I think you said it beautifully when we're born, we're, we're these perfect, innocent light beings, you know, we're not infiltrated or by, you know, the, the programs and the people around us. And, but as we grow in order to learn how to survive in our environment, we are, we take on the patterns, the beliefs, the, the thinking processes of our parents, of our guardians, whoever it might be, right? And so we get um, infused with this worldview, which isn't ours. And so, you know, as we grow, that worldview stays there and it becomes our shadows and our unconscious and we operate from it without knowing. It's that worldview that 
people want to hate on or be upset about or be like, you know, how come somebody has more than me or this, that, and the other thing. What we also don't understand is, is like, you just basically finished my sentence to what awakening was. Becoming aware. Becoming aware of the fact that you've been tricked. Becoming aware of the fact, questioning these things. Like you just said, I know that I shouldn't be drinking, but it's part of this. It's part of that. What do I do? Right? It's simple. It's so simple. People, when you when you want to quit the smoking, the drinking, that sort of stuff, you just say, I'm done. Right. And you, and then whenever you smoke, you have to ask yourself why, whenever something comes up, be aware of it. It takes a minute. Like you said, 90 days is a good window. It's a good window to be like, let's, you know, let's commit to not drinking and let's go. And then at the end of the 90 days, what people don't realize is at the end of the 90 days, you don't want to drink. You're like, what, why would I, what, what's the point? And it's the same with the, the, when you wake up, when you wake up, you don't just, you don't just wake up. You're not like, bing, there it is. You know, it's, it, I, I, you know, a lot of people tr- equate waking up to remember the magic eye, <laughs> the painting, magic eye, the painting that was a bunch of crap. And then if you stared at it long enough, it became like a sailboat or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So once you see the sailboat, you can't unsee it. Right? And, right. and, and that's the thing, but it takes you forever to see it. So with awakening, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. And the only, the only way that it, you know, it, it works is or the easiest way for it to work is just becoming aware, becoming aware of your bullshit, actively looking at the story that you tell yourself, because mm. you will tell yourself a story and you will back that story up until you stop. And this is what somebody told me. And I really like this one until you stop living in the answer and start living in the question, you can't fully start living your life. Mm. And what that means is you go through life and you see a lot of conversations where people are just trying to express their points and their opinions. And and the, and the, the conversation isn't a learning conversation. It's a, you know, this, I know that let's do this, 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 and this, you know, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm wrong. You're right. Oh, that makes sense. Whatever it is, but it's all factual points. And the reality is nothing is real, right? Mm. Nothing, absolutely nothing is fluid or sorry, everything is fluid and nothing is rock solid the way we want it to be. Mm. So the minute we say to ourselves, I don't know the answer. And the, and the fact that I think I do know the answer is limiting me from finding out other possibilities. Totally. Once we can say that, and once we can live in that mindset, that's when things really start to change. It's like, I know this, this, and this. Do you? Do you really? Mm. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> right? But we're so arrogant that we're like, I'm right. But are you right? And if you, you could have been right 10 minutes ago, but you're wrong now. Mm. I find we do that for, it, it's grasping for a sense of control. Like we're trying to make sense of this world, you know, and we do that by, okay, what, what can I control? What can I bring into concrete so I can at least have some foundation because the uncertainty drives us crazy. And now more than ever, there's so much uncertainty. So people are grasping. That's why you're seeing more pol- polarization across m- multiple fronts. You know, people are grasping onto some identity, some in-group, some belief system just to have something to hold on to because there's so much uncertainty. And then when they, when we do get in conversation, you're just so ingrained, so entrenched in that idea that anything else seems like a threat. And so we have multiple polar poles of, um, in-groups of factions, uh, that are warring right now. And none of it, none of it is in the interest of higher truth. So one of my missions is like, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we show up first in conversations like you and I, like as mystics right now, seeking higher truth, but we come with humility, with question, you know, like if we decide to have this conversation and our goal is to find higher truth, then we can both show up a vulnerably and, you know, be able to be wrong, be able to listen to the other person's point, reiterate it to them 
And so we have a basis of integrity, of uh, respect, of vulnerability. And from there, we can actually communicate with truth, you know, because we're both seeking the same thing. If we're polarized in our, on our, in our own positions and we're just trying to be right, then there's no opportunity for a higher truth to emerge. I would, I would 90% agree with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which puts us on the same page. And here's the 10%, and it's a big 10%, though. The 10% is like you said, there's, we're all polarized, right? Mm. You look at sexism, racism, classism, and now maskism. You know, masks, mm. the only intention of a mask is to make the, the non mask wearers fight the mask wearers and vice versa, right? They don't mm. actually do anything to this virus that may or may not even be real. So, mm. When we talk about these, you know, these things, and when I say may or may not be real, I mean, when you live in the question, like I said, like I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm seeing all this information come at me with regards to the virus and the corona and, and how it's like shut down the world. And I'm looking at it through the knowledge and the information that I had been given my whole life. But what people aren't looking at is the fact that it's crushed the economy. It's killed it. And that seems intentional. And all these fake numbers about corona and people getting sick, they're all, they're all coming out now and now that everybody's getting, they're all wrong. They're all publicly being announced as wrong. So you can you can say, well, you know what? We screwed up. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with us after all. Deet, 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 deet. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that too is you can look, you can look into uh, baseball, for example. Prime example. The Miami Marlins had 18 players go down with coronavirus. They took two weeks off, and now they're playing double headers to catch up to the rest of the league. They're playing double headers. They took two weeks off to get rid of the coronavirus. 18 players diagnosed with coronavirus. 18 players are now back playing baseball, double headers, so 14 to 19 innings a day, and yet we've lost an entire economy. And this, this is a cognitive dissonance thing. People aren't going to understand or grab onto this. People are like, everyone's dying everywhere of coronavirus. Well, if 18 players are back being extremely physical on the field the next day, what the f is a coronavirus? Mm. Now, that being said, we can look at that as a point. Somebody could be listening to your podcast and they could say, you don't know what you're talking about. There's doctors everywhere that do this. And there's somebody else could say, well, you know what? I never looked at it that way. And that makes sense too. And like, what's actually going on? And the reality is we're not here to try to convince anybody of anything. We're just here to talk our piece. Mm -hmm. And where my 10% change in what you said comes from is this. The minute you get to a certain level of enlightenment, you understand that you no longer have to compete with anyone outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. You never have to have an argument with anybody. You never have to uh, obviously raise your voice or get agitated or get angry or get anything other than more observant because anybody out there that's running their mouths about you or, or on any of your work or, or on anything that you're doing, like trolls, for example, they are only talking about themselves. They're only shedding the hate in which they live. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to spread that and share that. And the weird thing is as a light worker and as, as somebody who does a lot of motivational work, uh, over the past few years, you get some really, really weird hate mail and hate messages come your way. And that's not an individual. That's not one person talking to me. That is polarizing energies of the ethos in which we live. This is the world around us, not like not mother earth, but this is, this is karmic. So I'm going to push, push, push on a certain path. And some asshole is going to come at me and be like, nah, 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 nah. right. And I'm the funny thing about that is people are like, well, you know, that's just, it's, it's like, why would that be a thing? And you get some really weird messages, some crazy accusations. Anyone that's done anything in their life 
for the most part, you're going to see either a, a sexual conviction or assault or something like that, or tax problems or anything that society as a whole deems to be uh, terrible. You're going to see accusations pointed at anyone that's in a, a position of higher power because they've worked really hard to get there. And the ethos in the universe pushes back. Now, granted, there are some terrible people out there. I mean, we're dealing with a, a major pandemic with regards to hashtag save the children. But there is there is just this energy. And what this comes from, what this energy comes from, I've found after the attacks that I've gotten is every single one of them is something I have to deal with. Mm. So the person that attacks me or the person that says what they say, even though they're saying it because of their own insecurity, it's not for me to do anything other than internalize and ingest and wonder why I heard what they said. Why was that directed at me? Why, what did I need to take from this? Not mm. why did they need to say it? Because these people are probably non-player characters in this grand ethos that we are all playing in this, this giant sandbox called Earth. Um, that was a video game reference, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you may have caught that. <laughs> but the, 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 you know, the simple fact of the matter is we, the more we think we know and the more we, we it's, it's crazy, the more you clear up your own mind, the more you clear out the ideas, like you said, the, the world that we were taught, the world that we were raised, the world that we lived in, the more you clear that out and you get to what you believe to be the root of who you are, the more you realize that you have so many more amazing questions to ask. And so mm. many more amazing things to do and so many more amazing things to discover. I'll tell you, my levels of awakening have gone pa-pow, 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 pa-pow. And it all started for me on 9-11. I, mean, I had questions mm. right me away. Too. Yeah, me too. I had questions right away. And then the grand awakening for me, like it really came to next to next kin was that 2012. Which, mm. I mean, if you want, I can tell you about how that was the end of the earth, the end of the world as we know it. It's also when CERN um, found the, the, the God particle was 2012. Uh, it's also when the, uh, the Mandela effect started kicking in. Now here's a crazy thing with regards to the Mandela effect. And I know you said, don't talk about conspiracies, but remember this, do you remember Jane Goodall? Yeah, of course. Okay. How did she die? I don't know. Don't you know? No, I don't. If you really think about it, how did Jane Goodall die? Do you remember what Jane Goodall did? Yeah. She worked with the orangutans, right? Or the apes. Mm -hmm. And how did she die? Communicating. Maybe she was attacked by one. I don't know. Uh, well, if you can't remember, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so she, that was, that was the story, right? She was attacked by the apes that she worked with. And everybody okay. remembers this story for the most part, um, as, as it goes. But here's the weird thing about that, right? <clears throat> Jane Goodall is actually still alive. <laughs> she never mm -hmm. died. And that's, that was mind blowing to me with regards to these things. So these, these conspiracies, you know, they can go in any direction that you want them to go in, I suppose. But the more you wake up to these things, and, the, and this all stems back to um, to to uh, to 2012. A lot took place in 2012, and you can even go back in the news articles and the news clippings, and you can see you can see a general consensus. Remember back in the day in the 80s when they had that thing in the in the in the library where you scan the newspapers? Picture that yeah, in your right. head. Picture that in your head, rolling back to 2012. <laughs> things changed in 2012. Think like. We, it's almost like we lost our innocence, you know, or we came to a different place or we're all in a different place. So the awakening is, is it you? Is it your mindset? What is your mindset? Is it your thoughts? What are your thoughts? The awakening is a reality shift. Did we go somewhere? Did somewhere come here? Where is here? Where are we? What are we doing? Right? All of this, there's so much more to it than I was a drunk. Uh, I was a drinker. Now I'm sober. I work really hard. Now I don't work. I this and now I that. You know, taxation is this. You know, do, do I pay my bills? Do I do this? Do I like all of these rigmarod? You know, piece piecemeal day by day. 
happenstantial things all take place and all the terrible things that take place and all the boring and monotonous things take place, they all exist to push you into awakening. They all exist to Mm. push your barriers. So Mm. the minute you've had absolutely enough, and there isn't a single person on this planet that is a mystic that didn't go through absolute hell. Yeah. Right. So that is your earth shatterer. So the, the ultra pain that you suffered broke you out of the matrix. Mm. And it's hard to get that pain again. So it now comes down to cognitive awareness because you don't go through the pain that you went through that broke you out of the matrix twice in your life. You learn your lessons from pain and people out there listening. Sorry. I know I've, I've, I've hijacked your entire show, but people out there listening good. that have these issues, these anxieties, these things that they're worried about, these things that they're afraid about, the things that they think about, the things that keep you up at night. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the things that changed you. So when you think about the things that keep you up at night, and you, you say to yourself, you know, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that, or I wish I didn't do that, right? These are the things that changed you. So when you address them, they go away and you walk mm. away with new knowledge and you walk away a new person and you walk away more enlightened when you address them inside your head, ask yourself why I'm worried about that, why I think about that. And to prove that point, every other thing that you don't think about had no effect on you whatsoever and was completely unimportant. So you need to start addressing the things that quote unquote, keep you up at night to get yourself to the next level. If you're going to inch your way into awakening, as opposed mm. to guys like Patrick and me who shattered our way through like the Kool-Aid man, because we had absolutely no choice. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Uh, there's so many things I want to comment on with that answer. That was amazing. Um, but w- what we're really talking about, I think is, you know, how do we make sense of reality? How do we make sense of the world? And there's, you know, a couple of different levels to this. A, on an individual level, like there's the individual level of awakening and healing, but there's also the collective um, of awakening and healing, you know? So when you talk about, um, you know, a collective pain body, that's how Eckhart Tolle describes it, that, you know, is still present in our collective. All of the, the, the suffering and the atrocities that have happened over time are still in our collective psyche. So there's healing on the grander scale and there's healing on an individual scale. And the only thing we can do is heal ourselves in order to influence the collective. I also love what you said about um, things showing up in your life. If you can view everything as happening for me, everything that happens is a lesson. There's learning in everything. And so when you can view life like that, like you said, you're, you're up at night thinking about things. Okay, what is the lesson? What is the, the, the message that I'm not hearing here? What is the, the emotional wound that I haven't healed yet? You know, there are indications of where you need to look in order to heal yourself, in order to grow, in order to awaken. Would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. And I wanted to touch on something you said, uh, Eckhart Tolle, I know, I heard you say tolls. I'm like, I don't know how to, refer- I've always referred to him as Tolle. I- me too, but I heard somebody else <laughs> say toll the other day, so I'm, I don't know what it is. We know who we're talking about. Yeah, E.T., motherfucker. Uh, E.T., motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, and this man's a legend. This man, I've, I've, I, Eckhart Tolle was one of the, the first that, you know, really got me into asking a broader me too. question. Dude, I read The Power of Now and it just blew my fucking mind. Yeah. So The Power of Now for me was the second book. But I, my first book was my first book that really woke me that like that I sought after, I guess the initial awakening was, uh, I stumbled across Jim Rome, the art of exceptional living. Mm, I haven't and read he that. He talks about, you haven't read that one? No. Oh, bro. Again, it's like seven <laughs> hours. It's the best. You, 
it's, it's it's the exact length. Here's a here's a fun one for you. It's the exact length of the trip from Toronto to Montreal, one drive. <laughs> this is a good Canadian reference for you. There you go. That's so a, that's like four and a half, five hours, isn't it? Six, six, six hours about. Yeah. So that's that. That's uh, that is, um, that's one of the books that I've heard time and time again because I I just played it in the car when I drove. And he woke me up to a business sense, business savvy, because at the time I was, you know, working in sales and sales coaching when I first heard him, um, no, like aimlessly making money, like literally aimlessly making money. And then the Eckhart Tolle came out when it was more spiritual. When, when you stop giving a shit about that stuff, that's when Eckhart Tolle walked into my life and the power of now, mm. the power of now is, is, uh, insane. It's, it's insanely how it's like, it's the, it's the world's greatest starter book, you mm. know, like it's like, the, like I think. Yeah, no, totally. And I, just to, to emphasize that point, I think he, what he did was catalyze uh, and make digestible sort of Eastern philosophy and mysticism in a Western vocabulary. I think that's why it was so successful. And if you've got the audiobook, boy, does his voice sound so soothing. It just puts you right to sleep. It is very soothing. It's <laughs> almost... <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely great. I'm actually going to dig up uh, another book here as I talk and ramble, um, which I adored too because it was simply a man talking about his uh his connection to to waking up uh and hmm. you know there's there's you, you ask a lot of people a lot of people are like what's the you know the first book that had you wake up and so many people say man's search for meaning by victor e frankel yeah i just read that but that one is brutal the first hundred pages is almost impossible to get through um so just skip the first hundred pages ladies and gentlemen anyway um, but just just to comment on that, what I, my takeaway, lots of people agree with you. It's like a seminal book, but it, it was excellent. But my biggest takeaway was once you build a foundation of wholeness within you, and this comes back to awakening, and this is what I do with a lot of my clients, actually, is that we're so, um, and this comes back to even the earlier conversation about being children and you know trying to survive in this environment, you learn very quickly which behavior is acceptable and which behavior isn't. For example, if you have a creative impulse and you have lots of energy, you go to school as a child, you're told to sit down and shut up. And so that creative impulse, that that spontaneity, that creativity gets um, squashed. And so we have this baked in idea that some of our behavior is not good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that that carries on with us. That starts when and you're so, two. Well, exactly. And that's the programming I'm talking about. And so we're constant, we go through our life, we're constantly looking for externally for validation, mm -hmm. you know, from teachers, from government, from, you know, spouses, everything. We're looking externally for love, affection, all the things that we need on a fundamental level. But if you cultivate that within yourself, you come back to this childlike wholeness, innocence, light of I am perfect the way I am. I've healed myself. I come back to that wholeness and I operate from that truth, that trust then nobody can fuck with you mm -hmm. you know because like any like you're saying earlier anybody can attack you hate mail whatever it is it just bounces off you or you can just like okay that's them projecting their shit on me it's not mine yeah right and so once you once you've come back to that wholeness you you know you become unfuckable with if that's a word <laughs> i think so i think it's even a book for crazy <laughs> Uh, but that's, that's a hundred percent true. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's when I said it starts at two, you know, you're dealing with your parents' fears at two years old, you're moderately cognitive of what's going on. And they're saying things like, don't do that. Don't touch that. That's hot. Sit down. Exactly. Don't, don't go by those stairs. Don't do this. Don't this, don't that your whole life goes from, I want to check everything out to you. I shouldn't fucking do anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's or all else. cerebral. Yeah. It's all yeah, cerebral yeah. and self-conscious. Right. And you, you also look at your parents as like an authority figure 
uh, and you always do. And your parents, all your parents are doing is handing down their unresolved childhood traumas totally. on you. And that's, that's ancestral trauma. Yeah. So when you're listening to your parents, I mean, I love my mother to pieces. And if you're listening to this, hi, mom. Um, and, but she just tells me these stories that I'm like, what the fuck? Why would anyone, you just have to do it this way. No, we're not going to do it that way. Right. And then I think back to my childhood. I'm like, how many times did I listen to this? And I'm like, well, why did we, but at the same time, your life is exactly as it was supposed to be yes. to get you to wake up. You had to live through your pains. You had to live through your experience. There's an individual, Hans uh, Wilhelm, who, who, who expressly says that we picked our group of friends or our group of friends all got together. Picture yourself sitting outside of a, an N64 back in the day and you're about to have a party, right? All four of you plug into the thing and all four of you play your part in the game and all four of you unplug and then go out to the bar or whatever it is, you know, back in the 90s. That's what we've done right now. There's a huge mm. theory that we've all plugged into this game. We're all sitting here playing our part. And then when we unplug, that's like death. We go to some other realm. We yeah. do something else. We're just right? we're just avatars in a simulation video game. Uh, to me, you know, going through globe earth, flat earth, hollow earth, all these things that I looked at, I'm the only one that really makes any sense is simulation. Yeah. And it's back upable. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. we believe that we live in a solid world. That's me knocking on a solid desk, except mm. it's been scientifically proven now that when you break into the atom, you have quarks, quarks, and quasons inside the atom, the building block of society, the building block of matter is an atom and inside the atom is energy. So the building and block 99% empty. Yes. And 99% empty and it's energy. So based yeah. on what they've seen with their own eye and, and what they've yeah. shared with us, we live in a holodeck. That's it. There's no, yeah. there's no question about it. That's, that's how the world works. This is the, this is, this yeah. is where we are. Right. Yeah. So it's like, once you kind of like grasp that, you don't have to believe it or know it or anything like that. You just, you just have to sort of be there. Now we are dropping, jumping all over the place. I did want to say one thing to anyone that's waking up, anyone that's getting going. There's a book called the end of your world by Adyashanti. And it's this, mm. this writer, he just basically, he's just talking about what his awakening was like. And he said, he's telling you a story. The book isn't very long. I've got it on Audible. Um, it's it's a it's an enjoyable piece that you can relate to, you can compare to, you can see sort of where you are versus where he is on your journey. Maybe he's a little bit more advanced, and maybe mm. if you're like halfway through an awakening, or I mean, there is no end to an awakening. I think the end to the to the awakening is when you turn into the glowing Mister Burns from The Simpsons in the forest, and then you just disappear <laughs> into the space. I think, I think once you have all the answers, I think that's when you're allowed to leave. I think that's what, that's what happens. So that's the awakening just keeps growing and growing and growing until you're, you're out. Interesting. Yeah. And well, there's also the danger. I just wanted to comment on that of, you know, awakening, becoming this, another sort of ego trip, ego trap. You know, it's like, as, as soon as we position ourselves, like, oh, I'm more woke than you, or I'm more, more spiritual than you, or I'm more enlightened than you. That's a, that's a fundamental ego game. You know, it's like, it's an, it's an indication of lower development, not higher development. So I just wanted to mention that as uh, and you could call it spiritual bypassing or whatever you want to call it within this community or, uh, you know, the spiritual awakening community, there's so much of it present that it's just another ego trap. So it's just something to be aware of as we move through it. One of the other things I wanted to um, comment on is how you mentioned, um, it, it's sort of pain as an evolutionary driver. Like the shit that happens in our life, the challenges that we have, you know, the people that show up are all there to facilitate our growth, our evolution, our awakening. So if you can view it like this and you can learn the lessons of everything that happens, like say, take for example, relationships, 
if you are in relationships and you continue to have a similar relationship, either it's abusive or codependent, or there's lots of drama, there's fighting, whatever it is. You're we all have continue. that one friend, eh? We all have that one friend so, who's always got a it, different boyfriend, but it's the same guy. Exactly <laughs> the same archetype, right? But it's yep. because they're not learning the lesson that that archetype is there to teach them. And they're yep. going to continue going around in that cycle until, until they learn that lesson. And so, and if you don't learn the lesson, the, the stakes are going to be amplified. And so until, for example, in drinking for me or for a lot of people, if you continue drinking and you know, the, the messages are coming and you're not getting them, it's going to amplify until either you have a breakdown, you have, you know, hit rock bottom, you have a diagnosis, you have a tragedy, an accident, whatever it is to shake you out. It's like, yeah. you have to start listening to this. So pain uh, is an evolutionary driver. So what if we could, you know, use our capacity to recognize the messages that are coming at us? and to integrate them. And so we obsolete pain as being the evolutionary driver. We become now conscious agents interacting with our own evolution, right? Mm -hmm. That's a definition of awakening for me. It's like, okay, I am in control of my life. I am all energy and I get to direct that energy. And if I, my energy is going into something unconsciously like drama or bad relationships or alcohol, then it's, it's getting drained in that direction. So if I take control by becoming aware of those unconscious beliefs, then now I can consciously engage in my evolution on an individual level. And then for me, why this is exciting, because then we can show up in community. We can have conversations like this, where we're both at a level, not, um, you know, it's not like a pissing contest where I'm more woke than you. It's no, no, let's connect in authentic conversation with the goal of synergizing higher truth. That's really what I'm doing with this podcast. And that's why it's so freaking exciting for me. I get to talk to guys like you and have these conversations. You know, this is awesome. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Dot com. Remember, Cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. It, hey, man, this is like, yeah, it is awesome. And I love your excitement for it. I mean, this is my everyday life. My podcast is- Yeah, me too. Is is a very exciting uh, time. And, and and for my podcast, it's changed because- my, I'm, I'm, I'm past a hundred episodes now. And the funny thing is I've slowed right down because I don't want to keep pushing, you know, uh, a message that, you know, is, is mine is not mine. I've collected as I've changed, I've collected new fans, you know, along the way. And, um, you know, we're drawing, we're drawing about 13,000 people an episode. So that's amazing, dude. Congratulations. It, yeah, it's, it's only one year. Right. So right. when you have a keen message and when you keep growing, like for me, it just keeps growing and I've kept trying to change and I've addressed the change. Um, as we grow, like I'm not very much business oriented anymore. And especially with mm. my coaching, you, you know, you were talking about your coaching mm. with my, with my coaching. I don't, I'm not even taking on uh well, that's not true. I lie. I was going to say, I'm not even taking on new clients, but I did just take one on uh, last week, 
but I'm looking for specific people. Yes. I'm yes, looking for totally. energy, right? So where in before, when we're in before, you have to take on everybody and sort of hope things work. You have to take on everybody because you have to figure out what you want to do. Mm. Um, and now we have sub coaches that we sort of, we, we delegate a lot of coaching out to, to make it affordable for everybody. Everybody can have a piece um, and everybody can work. And one thing that I've learned desperately is money is irrelevant um, when it comes to what we think we need money for. Like, in other words, I, if you were to, if you were to sign on with me, uh, I don't need you. Like, I, I mean, it sounds arrogant and cocky. I don't need your money but I, I need you to pay it to make it effective for you. Yeah, exactly. To make, to make it effective for you. So when it comes to coaching, when it comes to enlightenment, you know, you're going to get some negative people that are going to be like, mm, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to invest this money or I'm not going to, you know, buy into you. And, and if, if we're, if we're, if we're talking right now and there are coaches listening, never take that personally, because that person could be sitting there with a BMW in their driveway. Um, and you say, you know, my program's five grand and, and they would rather spend five grand on what sits in their driveway, what other people see of them to make themselves feel a certain way, as opposed to investing in their own self. Uh, and when they say no to you, they're doing you a favor. Mm -hmm. uh, so don't stress that ladies and gentlemen who are becoming coaches, do not stress the rejections, appreciate them because what's meant for you will always be yours. And one thing that people never understood about me is why I have so many coaches on my show. They're like, aren't you a coach? Aren't you giving away your money? I'm like, no, man, I'm driving people to wherever they need to be to do whatever it is they need to do because connectivity totally. is huge, right? Yeah. In the um, interest of higher truth, you know, this is, this is why we're doing it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when we have this, when we have this, um, you also mentioned earlier too the collective consciousness, when we talk about mm -hmm. the collective consciousness and, and having to fix collective past. It, it stems, it's it, a microcosm uh, of it is Corona, right? Mm. The Corona mask, the Corona mask argument is you have to wear a mask so that old people don't die. I'm like, well, fuck, nope, old people are going to die anyway, you know, yeah. and, and, and sorry if, if that offends people or if, you know, if that, if that was news, old people die, right? Uh -huh. And they don't do well with the flu and they haven't done well with the flu historically. And the flu has a vaccine. Mm. Now this whole mask thing, this whole mask thing is not, it's got nothing to do with anything other than pre-programming, which is what you talked about with regards to mm. the, 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 the collective awareness. If everybody wears a mask, then none of us can breathe, <laughs> first of all. But the, the problem is, you know, we're wearing the masks to, to help other people. And that is what society is ingraining in us. And it's, it's also a trap. It's something that we have to overcome and overgrow. The bottom line is this. If I'm responsible for your health by me wearing a mask for you, then I should be responsible for everything else. I should be able to walk into your liquor cabinet and smash it, empty it out, slap the McDonald's mm. out of your hand, go into your, go into your kitchen and replace all your garbage with, with celery and shit. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not responsible for your health. That's just virtue signaling. So collectively, when each and every one of us decide to take action for ourselves, Mm -hmm. When we take care of ourselves, if every single person on this planet decided to take care of themselves, everybody would be taken care of. But we have this grandiose, virtuous system installed in our brains that say we must take care of other people. Well, who the fuck mm -hmm. are the other people taking care of? If I'm taking care of you, what are you doing? <laughs> mm. Right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's it's self self love at at its base level is you need to take care of yourself. You need to fill your own cup first before and what is that? you can. 
everybody thinks that everybody thinks that that's selfish. We've been taught that yeah, if you take no, care no, of yourself, no. you're selfish. You've been and, brainwashed and that, into believing that. That's a program, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I wanted to come back to like what you said about Corona, and this is an interesting theory that sort of played into what I just said about pain pain as an evolutionary driver. What if coronavirus is a collective pain evolutionary driver? It's like okay, you guys aren't getting it. Shit mm-hmm. is going down. You're killing yourselves. You're killing the planet. There's polarization. There's no synergy. You're you've fallen out of symbiosis with the environment. You know. Okay, here's something to wake you the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus. Here it is. How oh, do you respond to this? And it's amplifying everything that has already been present, which unfortunately is a shit show. It's people polarized. It's people triggered. It's people falling into ego. It's you know, it's it's all the drama and the shaming and that we're seeing online. The cultural narrative warfare. Mm-hmm. And so within that context, and another reason why I started the show is like, okay, we can, you know, talk about this all day. We can pontificate, we can, you know, have these higher level abstract um, concepts and conversations. What can we do as individuals? Like, let's give actionable intel, practical advice for people on the ground in the middle of their shitstorm life right now. What can I do? And I think we've touched on a bunch of things you can do, but, you know, Within this context, you know, loving yourself, number one, healing your shit, dealing, becoming aware of your emotional trauma and your triggers, you know, showing up in relationships, you know, even with your family, with your spouse, with your girlfriend, with your kids, how can you show up more powerfully in those conversations, those interactions, and then extend that out, ripple that out into your online conversations? You know, we have to start taking um, responsibility for ourselves and then ripple that out into the world. It's a, uh, what you just said though, goes against everything that we've ever been taught. And, and the, the funny thing about that is, you know, when you do wake up to it, you know, you're going to start, you're going to start looking at certain things. Now, here's a weird thing that may not agree with everybody. Um, and, and it's something that I've, I've had to, I've had to really address myself because I've done a lot of quote unquote shadow work, which is a whole other episode. But when it comes down to good versus evil, it basically what it is, is what I personally want versus what I personally don't want, you know? Mm. Uh, And I tell the story of, of the Yulin dog festival, right? Americans went nuts over this Yulin dog festival. They're signing petitions. Don't eat the dogs. You're all fucking brutal. Right. And then everybody had an opinion. Everybody had an opinion on this Yulin dog festival. I, for one, don't want to see animal cruelty. I don't want to, I don't want to, kill dogs. I don't want to eat dogs. Um, if I was stuck in the middle of nowhere and I had to eat something, it would probably be my dog. <laughs> I mean, assuming I was out of other food, of course, I wouldn't just go straight for the dog. Um, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the arrogance. America's over here going, fuck your dog festival. You people are stupid, belligerent, gross, disgusting. Right. And then people will say, well, it wasn't so much about that. They ate them. It was about the cruelty that they put them through. Right. And all of that applies to what I'm about to say. Imagine India who outranks us with people, right? Imagine they're over there going, you bastards are eating our God deity, the Mm. cow, right? Mm. And people are like, well, we're not as cruel to the cow. Oh, we aren't? Just take a look at any goddamn dairy farm. First of all, if you're drinking milk, you're, you're insane. Secondly, this, this, and that's not me being better than you. That's just, just look into the dairy industry. It's, and, and the fact that we consume 
we've been brainwashed to consume milk, which is taking the calcium out of our bones, which is why so many people are on bone density medication right now because their whole life they've been drinking milk. Oh God, I could go on forever. Anyway, it's a perspective. Back to perspective. Don't kill the dogs. Don't eat the dogs. Sign the petition. Make them stop the arrogance of the Americans, the arrogance of this part of the world. While we're, we're, we're saying, and we're spitting food out of our mouths, we're spitting God deity out of our mouths by saying, you know, over our burger, don't eat dogs, right? And we're eating sacred cows. Indians are going mm. nuts. What the hell are you people doing? So now both hands, on both hands, eating dogs isn't a big deal. Eating cows isn't a big deal. Uh, all this stuff. I say these things and what I mean is everyone's got their personal opinions. I would never eat a dog. I have no interest in eating a dog, but that's because of how I was raised. That's because of my personal experience. And we want to push this personal experience on other people. I want to force my personal experience on you. Let's break it down more simple. You and I go to a baseball game and I use this analogy all the time. I'm a Mets fan. You're a Jays fan. We go, we watch the game. We're sitting in the exact same seats. We both get a hot dog. Everything is identical. We're wearing the same outfits. We hold hands. We're the craziest people of all time, right? Jays win, Mets lose. You're stoked. I'm pissed. Nothing changed other than my upbringing versus your upbringing. And mm. now throw alcohol in the mix and two people are fighting because the Jays mm. won and the Mets lost, right? Fighting, fisticuffs. So we have these experiences and we can, in our minds, anyone listening to this show and anyone thinking about this stuff, in your mind, you have only ever had the ability to observe and everything that's ever happened to you is an observation, Anything that you've ever seen anywhere is a story you were told, is a picture you were shown. You are the center of the universe. And every single thing happens for you to observe. Create a story and live that story. So when it comes down to who we want to be and what we want to say and all the people that could be saying this and doing that, it doesn't matter. There are victims everywhere. And the good and the bad don't merge. There is no real definition of good and bad, right? If you don't know who I am and you're, you're, you're faced with a, a proposition, let's go way out there. You're faced with a proposition where you have to kill my sister to save your entire family. And you've got four brothers and sisters. You've, you've got eight grandparents. You've got 42 kids, but you, you have to kill my sister. You've never met her. You don't know who she is. So to save everyone that it's so important to you, you kill my sister. And for the rest of my natural life, I know you as the murderer of my sister. And you are known as the savior of your entire bloodline. Good, bad, right? Who's good, who's bad, who's right, who's wrong? And then there'll be people virtue signaling. I wouldn't kill your sister. I'd let my entire family die. No, you wouldn't, right? Mm. And even if you would, even if you even if you would, that's insane. Why would you, why would you mm. let your whole family die? Why would you kill anybody? Why would you be in this situation? All these hypotheticals and all these things and all this stuff that we can go in. The bottom line is when you start living in the question instead of the answer, you understand that there's only things for you to perceive. There isn't anything for you to get riled up over. There isn't anything for you to plant your flag in. There are only, you're literally here observing. You're observing, you're thinking, you're equating, you're making the best of the time that you have to, to do the best that you can, but to get riled up, to get focused in, on something that is, I'm not saying don't live without purpose. I'm saying be as fluid as the world in which you live because you could lock mm. yourself in. You could hit yourself to a wagon that falls off a cliff mm. 10 years from now. Oops. Mm. I love what you said about um, perspective. And I think that's worth unpacking a bit because uh, it's 
super important to people for people to understand that the lens with which they view the world is as important as what they're viewing because you are going to perceive whatever's happening in your external world through the lens that has been programmed into you so your job is to become aware of the lens that you're looking through as much as it is to discern the information that's coming in and so what that means is become aware of your cultural upbringing, your programming, your cognitive biases, like what are you, your belief systems, what are you um, prone to believe more than other things? Because it's going to skew how you process any information, any new people, anything. And so in order to make sense of this world, which is increasingly complex, which is increasingly polarized, we need to first become aware of, okay, how are we seeing the world? Through what lens are we seeing the world? You know, and be and do that inner work. You mentioned shadow work, which is super important. And yes, we should do an entire show on shadow work. We'll we'll get back to that. But basically, shadow work is becoming aware of your repressed identity, your repressed emotions, the shit that's happening under the surface that's controlling you still. You know, and triggering you into reactivity, emotional reactivity mostly. Um, and so the lens that with with which we see the world is super important to understanding the world. And so if we can all sort of you know, remove as many layers and come to a clear lens as possible, then we will come closer to reality as it really is rather than how we perceive it. Also, the closer we get to reality as it really is, the further it gets away from us. Uh, totally, man. <laughs> and another, and this is the, you know, the, the fundamental question is like, the more we know, the less we discover that we don't know, mm -hmm. right? So the more I expand and grow and learn, the more... Uh, of the landscape of what I don't know expands. And so it's this, and it's it, faster than I can learn. Right. And so it's, it, it's, uh, an orientation really, you know, in, in order for me not to just like, okay, well I'm learning as fast as I can. And it's still not enough to make sense of reality. Like why wouldn't I just go get drunk or put a gun in my mouth or just check out, you know? Uh, but the answer is the more I learn, the more I expand, I can be in that betterment of myself, which is the fundamental impulse of evolution is just to be better than you were yesterday, you mm -hmm. know, better than yourself, be the best version of yourself, not be better than the next guy, you know, and that's how that um, evolutionary impulse shows up in capitalism. It's competition, but it's mm -hmm. really you just need to be better than you were yesterday, right? You're only ever in competition with yourself. The rest of the world doesn't it, matter. The, the minute exactly. You, the minute you shake off the idea of competition with anybody else, the minute you realize there's mm. enough for everyone. That's called, yeah, from, totally. that, that's called going from living in scarcity to living in abundance. Totally. Let's talk about that for a second because that's practical information for people to, to live by. You know, what, what's a scarcity mindset? A scarcity mindset based on the conversations that we've had on this com on, in this particular podcast would be me not promoting other coaches on my coaching podcast. Right, exactly. Because I don't yeah. want them to get the money that I might have gotten, right? Yeah, but totally. In doing so, uh, instead of having that scarcity mindset, you've got the abundance mindset. I pass off somebody who's not quite at my level or whatever, mm. and people are like, "What does that mean? Not at your level as a coach?" Well, if you think about high school or or school in general, you know, you can't take somebody who's in grade four and just drop them into a grade twelve class. Mm. Everybody in life is at a different place in a different stage, and people think coaching is simply following a set of systems or whatever to get you to where mm. you need to be. Um, the reality is no, that's not uh, the case at all. So, okay. So the abundance mindset is there's enough work to go around. There's enough, everybody needs something. So I was talking about grade 12. You can't drop a grade four into a grade 12 and expect them to do the work. Every coach everywhere is 
on a level that you need to connect with. Every message, for the most part, all of our messages are the same when you're looking for a certain, in a certain genre of coaching. It's who you resonate with the best. So when you have an abundance mindset towards this as a coach, you want everyone to find the right coach for them. And if I'm the right coach for you, you're going to come to me. Even if I'm sending you to everybody else, you're going to be like, mm, I'm going to go check out that guy instead. And, you know, there's a lot of people that that do resonate with me. And I push a, I push a, a crazier narrative. I'm a, a, a much more aggressive coach as well because I, I come from... I come from utter darkness uh, and that's, that's a huge thing. Uh, I lived the life. I lived certain things. Like there's a, there's a meme floating around that I absolutely adore. It's like, you know, when somebody tries to push your buttons and they don't realize that you were thug life before you were the, the, you know, the light pusher and it's, it's, spo- <laughs> it's, just, it's SpongeBob, right? That's the, that's the funny thing about it. <laughs> Try me, bitch. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but that's it. Like when you, when you, when you wake up to that, you know, when you wake into that, mm. you don't have to. You don't have to worry about scarcity and abundance mindset. You know, it, you become aware of a scarcity and abundance mindset, and then it doesn't matter anymore because you're living in abundance. When you become aware of abundance, the funny thing about this is everyone's like, I have to earn abundance. You know, you have to work hard for abundance. The reality is abundance is all around you. Abundance mm. is absolutely everywhere. We have cluttered abundance up with lies, bullshit, junk, and rhetoric. And mm. once you clear that out of the way, you're now living again in abundance, but it's always been there. It's the limitations mm. that you've created yourself. Totally. It's a mindset, really. You know, it's an orientation towards, okay, if I can orient toward, and abundance doesn't mean just money or resources. You, it, you could be abundant in gratitude or joy or presence, you know? And if you orient towards those things, like, holy shit, I am super abundant. I have clean water to drink. That's fucking abundant, you know? And if you start to orient in that direction and remove that scarcity um, competitive mindset, then everything starts to appear abundant. Yeah. And people can say, oh, it's so easy for you to say that, you know, you've got this, you've got that, you know, you, 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 you've got your rent paid and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, I'll tell you this, you know, I never had any of that. Even when I was a high powered sales coach, I was always late on my rent checks. I was always late on this because there was a huge party to be had. There was a this, there was, and then there was, there was a lack of care. I did not give a shit. I was not living in abundance. I was living in scarcity. I said, I'm going to, you know, it doesn't matter how much I make, I'm going to spend it so that I can spend it so that I don't, I don't lose it. So that somebody doesn't take it from me. Who the fuck is taking it from anyone, you know? And, and that's the thing, but this is the abundance versus scarcity. So no matter how much money you make, if you don't have, if you don't, if you're not living in abundance, Money's pointless because you're just wasting it on dumb shit. You can have 40,000 pairs of shoes and a cocaine habit. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Not that I'm talking about anything personal. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, so when you start living in abundance, that's when things start to make sense. That's when you start to start stockpiling your rent. That's when you start to change things around. That's when life opens up. Mm. It's not the other way around. And that's when the appropriate mentor or teacher or coach appears because you have become ready. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Uh, yes, in this in this sense. And there's a lot of cliched shit that we talk about, you know, um, all over the place. But it's funny how all the cliches become so real when you like wake into They're it. cliches for a reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, you know, you can say to yourself, well, I don't want a coach. I don't need a coach. I don't want this. I don't want that. Your entire life, you've had a coach. It could be that guy at the end of the bar that tells you stories. It could be the desire to have more money because you saw it on MTV Cribs. These are the people coaching you. Your influences are your coaches. Now, when you have an influence that has your best interest at heart, follow them. 
Everybody, everybody listen to this podcast right now. Go sign up with Patrick for coaching. Bottom line. Bottom line. <laughs> well, find a coach that, uh, that aligns with you, I think, is more accurate. And uh, <laughs> like I'm uh, when I first sort of ventured into the idea of being a life coach, I was so vehemently opposed to it. You know, just like the the even the word, the term, the term. life coach. Just, <laughs> oh, my God. Just drove me nuts. I'm a but, life coach. Uh, are you? You pretentious you know, prick. Are you? That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I can say without a doubt that being vulnerable to say, okay, I'm going to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the money down and I'm going to do this because I resonate deeply with this coach or this mentor and you know, I'm committed to getting a result. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I invested in myself and I've done this repeatedly and I continue to work with coaches myself mm-hmm. it, because it's the, the most rewarding experience, the most um, rapid expansion because you're held accountable. You, you're shown your blind spots. Um, there's so many benefits to coaching that you will not, you might be able to get them on your own. You might be able to find these realizations, but it may take you 10 years. It might take you 20 years. It might take yeah. you three lifetimes, yeah. you know, but if you can, if you can find somebody that you align with, that you have the right energetic connection with and really drop into them, that container that's created a vulnerability and trust and integrity, there is magic in that. And that's yeah. why coaching is so powerful, but it has to be aligned. Like you were saying earlier, it has to be the right fit. And when it is the right fit, it's magical. For both parties, you know, for me, I love, I love that experience when a client, I'm holding space for a client and they have a moment, a realization It's like, holy shit, I am powerful. I am in control. I am, you know, the, the, um, creator of my own reality. That is like a, a a moment that is so rewarding for me as a coach. I want to touch on that for a quick second. When they do make the realization that I am the creator of their own reality, it's funny because that's, that has a trickle down effect. That's a shatterer. And then you, it, it allows you to parlay back into other parts and other aspects of your life. The funny thing about that is, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't made that realization yet, understand that you are living the life that you created 100%. Whether you believe it or not, you're living And that's it. what I mean by, you're by taking responsibility. it. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, I don't have any responsibility. I didn't have anything to do with blah, blah, blah. Maybe you didn't, but you have everything to do with how you reacted to it. And then that's what created your future. Everything that you ever did... Every single one of your physical and mental decisions in your past led you to right now, which means you are 100% in control of what you've done. So if you want more, do more. If you want to be more, think more. If you want to have more, be more open-minded. Expand, change, grow. Push yourself. Always push yourself. Always. Bottom line. And I'm addressing the audience directly now, ladies and gentlemen. Get out there and push something. (laughs) So <laughs> this is so awesome, dude. We could talk for days and days. I want to be cognitive of your time, but so I'll just ask you a few more questions. Sure. Um, and, and again, like I want to keep coming back to, so like, what are some practical steps people can take? What are some actionable intel that we can, you know, uh, transmit? And so t- to that end, um, like what is it that the world is changing so fast right now that, you know, people are so ungrounded, uncertain, they're living in fear. They don't know what's coming next. And so, what are some tools, like what are some of the skills we should be focusing on and developing now that will be useful for this new reality, whatever it may be? Well, the fun thing about that is, you know, we talk about people that are living in fear and living in, you know, the world changing. (laughs) Again, everything happens for us to observe. Um, We create the change we need to see to become the person we need to become. So, uh, you yourself are the curator of this change. We're playing in 
you know, we're playing in, in, in the curation. So like I said, back in the baseball story, you know, you and I can have witnessed the exact same event and, and live two, two completely different stories. Your team won, my team lost. In this event, every, everything that's happening is now happening and was always going to happen. What makes it different or what makes us aware or unaware is our story, the story that we tell ourselves. So even though it's the exact same sandbox, it's the exact same game, it's the exact same essence that we're all living in, every last one of us has a different story to it. Like Jeff Bezos, for example, is loving the Amazon explosion, you know? And and all the box stores like the Walmarts and all the big the big stores are super happy that COVID only affects mom and pop shops. It doesn't affect the big box stores. You know, COVID, there's no COVID in the big box stores. Only in the the smaller middle class stores. That's where the COVID hides out. Barber shops, restaurants, bars, all that sort of stuff. Your corner grocery store, lots of COVID in there. None of it is in is is in is in the big box stores. And that's weird, isn't it? But hey, we don't ask questions, and people that do ask questions, you're 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 taught to shun them. So how do you prepare for the world that's coming? Well, first of all, you created, ladies and gentlemen, you created the world that's coming. This is your creation. You created this to learn the lessons that you need to learn to become the person that you're going to become. And then once you've become that person, there are going to be more lessons that you need to learn to become the person you're going to become from there. There is no stopping. There is no grand success and failure is merely a pit stop on the way to success. Once you hit your successes, the first thing that happens after you're extremely successful and you make all of your goals is Tuesday morning. So it just keeps going. There's nothing other than perpetual motion. So as you learn and grow and and become accustomed to, you can sit back and go, oh, I hate that I can't go out in public or I hate that I've got this or I hate that I've got that. You can say all these things to yourself or you can accept the fact that these are the circumstances that we have. The reason you hate them is because they're different than what they were. But at the same time, you didn't like what was going on before either. You didn't like being paycheck to paycheck. You didn't like having to struggle. You didn't like any of this stuff and you blamed everybody. Eh, Maybe not you. Maybe not you listening right now, but maybe you listening right now. So when you realize that there's nobody to blame and there's nothing going on that not all of us are dealing with, right? This is a time for you to become more aware. If you're not happy with where you are, if you're not happy with what you're doing, step up, learn, embrace more, do more, achieve more, take more knowledge and more information in. Those people, those those shills that I was telling you about that, you know, that run their mouths and they, they shoot negativity. These people, you know, for a positive account, such as myself, such as yourself, you're probably going to get some haters too. And they're not hating you. They're just hating life and spreading that hate so that other people have hate. Hell, I shut comments off on my Instagram. Instagram.com forward slash the mental mastery Alliance toot toot. Um, the I've shot comments off because I don't give a shit what people say to me, but I don't need my, I don't need other people that come for motivation to read stuff and be like, Oh, this is so great. This is so great. And then somebody runs their mouth about some bullshit. And and then a weaker person might be like, Oh, well now I feel bad again. Right. Because some asshole decided they were going to run their mouths. Uh, ego talks loudest. The loudest person in the room often knows sweet fuck all. So you don't have to worry about, any of that stuff. Uh, another thing I would say, 100%, I absolutely adore. I've lived by this sentence for a thousand years. It's actually two sentences. Don't trust anybody with shitty shoes and never go to somebody for advice that you would never, that, sorry, never take criticism from somebody that you would never go to for advice. 
And these are major components inside your life because it is up to you. You are living your experience, regardless of who I am, regardless of what I've done, what Patrick's done, what we're talking about. You are amalgamating all of this information into your life experience. So understand that you're the one that's in control of your life experience. You're the one that is embracing all of this. You're the one that is internalizing all of this. And you're the one that has to make your decisions for you. You are in control. You are 100% in control. Even when you say I'm not in control, that's you actively giving your control away. Being like, I don't want to have this. People will say, well, I can't break up with this guy. I can't leave this house. I can't do that. And they tell themselves a story. When the opposite story becomes more predominant in your mind, you take action. So what's going to happen is you're going to suffer, suffer, suffer until you can't suffer anymore. Then you're going to, then you're going to leave instead of just getting up and leaving in the first place and being done with it. So how do you prepare for what's coming? Embrace it. Accept that we are living in a fluid time and that it's up to you to change and adapt as you grow and to appreciate the experience because we are all here simply to experience one way or the other. Wow, man. Fantastic. So much insight and knowledge and wisdom there. Um, one thing I just wanted to comment on is that we, you talk a lot about taking responsibility for your own shit and how it is creating this world. And so a lot of people um, that I speak to, they, they feel overwhelmed by, the, by that idea. It's like, I'm responsible for coronavirus or the children or all these atrocities in the world. And you know they get overwhelmed. And I certainly got overwhelmed. And when I got overwhelmed, I used to just go get drunk because I couldn't handle it. Um, but just understanding that what we do as individuals creates the family, creates the society, creates the culture, creates the collective that allows for this type of evil to proliferate. So even though there isn't a direct correlation in our minds that I'm responsible for all this bad, horrible stuff going on in the world, you are responsible. I'd say it differently than that. Um, because you're aware of the, of the suffering and you're aware of the pain and you're aware of the kids and you're aware of this stuff. And because you're aware of it, it's changing you and it's, and it's making you adapt. It's making you do different things. But there are people out there that have never even heard of Hollywood that don't give a shit about Hollywood that don't have this particular and current pain in their ethos. So they're playing in the sandbox, but they're playing an entirely different game in the sandbox, but they're all here. Right. So, so the fact that people are like, well, I created this, you created the awareness, you created the awareness. And now that you're aware, you're going to do something about it. It is the pain that causes you to change, even though it's, it seems to be external. It's like, you can talk about so the thing that we talked about on this show is we, you and I talked about everything we know. We didn't mention a single thing that we don't know anything about that we've never even studied. We don't, we've never mentioned a single thing that, that didn't do anything that we don't know that we can't talk about things we don't know. So what we can do is talk about our experience, talk about what we do know. And for somebody to walk in, for you and I to talk back and forth about this, and then to be addressed by somebody who knows nothing or nothing about what we're talking about, but everything about what we don't know about, they seem crazy to us. But their experiences in life gave them that sort of thing. Like imagine being Admiral Burt. Imagine being the guy that saw the extra land on the other side of Antarctica. Sounds crazy to us because the whole lie was all there. But that's the thing. When people say, I didn't create the children, I didn't create the pain, you're aware of it, which means you did create it. Now, you didn't hurt children, 
right? But you needed to become aware of it because this is a story that's in your life. There are people that are completely oblivious to what's happening in Hollywood because it doesn't play into their life story, right? But it, it's happening. But only what we're aware of is what affects us and what creates our individual aligned realities. And that's that's huge because there's so many, there's one of the things that I like to, I, I like to mention is there are, imagine we're living in a, in a realm where we have a hundred, just arbitrarily a hundred things that we can talk about, a hundred topics that we're allowed to speak on or that, that exist a hundred topics that exist. Now the world that we live in currently at this moment in time, 97 of those topics have been removed. We're left with three topics. We have three things to talk about and we've been taught to talk about these three things. And we've been taught that there are a million opinions to have on these three things. And these are the three things that we're allowed to talk about. So this, our reality is reduced to three items out of a hundred that we're allowed to talk about, which means we can only speak from our experience, which means we can only speak from the knowledge that we have. Now, the further you go into the rabbit holes, the more you start unlocking these other topics that you can speak on. The more you unlock these other topics, the more you are able to apply that knowledge to the three topics that we've had and the crazier you sound to the people that are only talking about the three topics with the three topics of knowledge that they have. So expansion, awakening, awareness, we've been locked out of who we truly are, of what we truly are, of what's really going on, of where we truly are. We've been locked out of it. And if you speak on that, you're crazy because the world doesn't know what you're talking about. But the truth is out there. The truth, X-Files, the truth is out there, man. And that's the thing. Once we start unlocking these other topics, more reality. Levitation is a thing. How do you think the pyramids got built? They got vibrated over or they were built with giants. There's rumor that the Grand Canyon is a graveyard for the Nephilim, is a graveyard for giants. You know, there's giants that are found in the caves of Afghanistan. Who are these giants? Where'd they come from? Right? All this stuff exists. But if you talk about it, you're crazy because they told you you were crazy. And anyone that goes against the cognitive narrative is crazy, is a conspiracy theorist. Anyone that thinks outside of what they've been told they're allowed to think about is told they're crazy. So when you open up your mind to the ability to do more, you are anyone that's filled with anxiety or filled with depression or is an alcoholic or has addiction, you've been tricked. You've been tricked into having these things, right? The minute you start giving yourself the information, the minute I understood my anxiety, it went away. I wasn't on meds. I didn't need a doctor. I didn't need any of this stuff. I just shattered the story that was initially given to me. Ladies and gentlemen, people would rather have a leaky anus than do any other shadow work. And that's a huge thing. How many times have you seen on the fucking pills, uh, anal discharge is a side effect. And in some severe cases, it may cause death, right? I'd rather have a leaky anus and die than look inside myself. This is what the world's telling us to do. <laughs> Because it hurts, man. It's uncomfortable. I like drank a hole into my stomach. That's how bad it had to get before I stopped. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is just so fantastic, dude. We could talk all day and I'm definitely going to have to have you back on. But I think uh, this might be a good place to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your insight, your knowledge, your wisdom. I love your energy. I love connecting with you. Like These conversations are literally changing the world. So thank you for showing up the way you do. Tell people where they can find you if they want to get in touch or hire you for coaching. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, well, my entire team, you can find us at thementalmasteryalliance.com. There's linked outs uh, to everything else that goes on there. Uh, social media, instagram.com forward slash thementalmasteryalliance, instagram.com forward slash become the free. 
uh, we are, uh, we're working on it. We're working on it one person at a time. Um, but primarily, uh, the best thing that you can do for me is work on yourself. And the best thing that I can do for you is work on myself. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. We'll talk to you real soon. You bet. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do hit the subscribe button and share this episode with all your friends. And for more episodes and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.